Turn in your Bibles, please, to Psalm 23. Alexander McLaren says, The world could spare many a large book better than this little psalm. It has dried many tears and supplied the mold into which many hearts have poured their peaceful faith. That's why Charles Haddon Spurgeon called Psalm 23 the pearl of all psalms. And so it is. This psalm gives us hope, it gives us comfort, it gives us much grace. And so let's listen in to this psalm of David as we understand we're being addressed by God himself. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Well, Lord, what a sweet psalm this is that we get to come to today. As Mr. Spurgeon tells us, a pearl of all psalms, and so it is. Lord, it's a psalm of hope. It's a psalm of comfort. It's a psalm that points us to future grace. And so, Lord, believing that you put it on my heart this morning in private, Lord, as now we open this up publicly, would it be your words that people hear? Lord, would you pastor your people? Would you shepherd your people? Would you care for them? I'm a me instrument in your hands. And would it all be for your glory? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the end of the year and New Year in particular is always such an interesting time for all of us, isn't it? For some, it's a time where the clock turns forward a little bit and fireworks go off and party poppers go off and not a lot changes. But for many people, New Year's Eve is a time of reflection and anticipation and consideration of the future. A time of reflection as they look back. Maybe for you, this has been a great year. Maybe this has been one of those years that you don't want to end at all. Maybe for others of you, you can't wait till January 1 and to wave off 2023. It's a time of reflection when we consider what's already happened in the year that's gone by. But it's also a time where we begin to anticipate and wonder about the year ahead. What's 2024 going to look like? What's that going to hold for us? And the realities of living here in this earth, what will the year ahead look like? New Year is always a time where we get to reflect and wonder about what has been and what is to come. It's also a common time for resolutions, isn't it? For us to make these resolutions before the Lord that by February we feel guilty about because we haven't been doing them. But nonetheless... January 1 comes by and we start to think about resolutions. Resolutions that this is the year I will lose weight. I will lose weight. This is the year that I'll be fit. Why is gym memberships go through the roof in January? You know, this will be the year that finally fitness becomes who I am. 
If you're a student, this is the year where you'll study properly. You'll actually try and pass your exams this year because you want to honor your parents. You want to do well. This is the year. This is the year that you will finally decorate your house. This is the year that you will finally clean your garage. There are many resolutions that we start to make at the start of the year about general life. There's many resolutions that we make about spiritual life. This is the year that I will read the Bible through in 365 days. If we get to February, we're in Leviticus, we're in trouble. But nonetheless, at the start of the year, we are intending, I'm going for it. This is the year I will pray like no one has ever prayed before, round the clock. This is the year that I will memorize scripture. This is the year that I will evangelize. This is the year that I will serve. I'll finally get it together. And you know, I think it's good to take time to consider and determine where we'd like to grow and what the Lord has for us. I think that's a good thing. Psalm 103 verses 15 and 16 says, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. We can think year on year that we've just got all the time in the world. I'll do that next year, I'll do that next year, I'll do that next year. But Psalm 103 tells us you're like a blade of grass that flourishes for a little while. The mist comes and it sort of blows away and you're done. Life goes by like that. That's why Psalm 90 verse 12, David tells us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. A heart of wisdom that understands I haven't got all the time in the world. Teach me to number my days. For it's a good thing to consider and determine, I think, where we'd like to grow before the Lord so that we don't waste our lives. And yet this morning, it isn't primarily what we are going to be doing for the Lord that I think he wants to stir in our hearts. Instead, I believe this morning the Lord wants me to remind you of one of his great resolutions towards each and every one of you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And it's this, that surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. See, as David considers and reviews the care and kindness of God towards him in Psalm 23, He reviews the way the Lord has operated towards him all his life. And his conclusion, as he looks back, is surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And as we enter into the end of 2023, and as we start to turn the corner into 2024, it is that great truth that I believe the Lord wants to burn into our hearts as well. That surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Let's review it together. That word, surely, right at the start of verse 6. It would be so easy to skip over this word. It would be so easy to not take it seriously, but to do so would be a big mistake. This word is God-breathed. It is spoken of by David because he is utterly convinced. He doesn't say, hopefully, or maybe, or fingers crossed. He says, surely, because he is totally sure. My friends, as 2023 begins to come to an end, and 2024 begins to appear around the corner for us as his people, what can you be absolutely sure of? Can you be sure of your health? That no matter what happens, you'll be sweet. I don't reckon. 
We are fragile people. Can you be sure of work? That whatever job you're doing now, it'll just keep going, it'll still be there next year, that you'll be able to do it? Not necessarily. What about your plans for the future? Maybe you've been working towards these plans for a decade. Can you be sure that they're going to happen? I don't reckon. What about finances? Be sure of them? We were all sure as a sure thing. And then COVID hit and life completely changed. Can you be sure of it? What about relationships? Can you be absolutely sure of them? You know, in Britain, we used to say that there's only two things you can be sure of, death and taxes. That's why people there are so depressed, including me when I was there. There's only two things you can be sure of. You're going to die, and you're going to get taxed. Merry Christmas. Welcome to the United Kingdom. And yet what David wants to help us understand here is as Christians, there's actually three things you can be sure of. There's something else that you can know with absolute certainty, and that sure thing is that goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. You know, one of the things that's so beautiful about that is the way David personalizes that. For surely, goodness and mercy will follow me. He personalizes it. He says, as I've considered my life and as I consider the way God operates towards me, I can be sure of something, namely goodness and mercy. You see, having been a pastor for 24 years now, the harsh reality is this. I think sometimes when people go through trial, particularly when they go through suffering, they read that verse and they apply it to everybody else in the room. But not themselves. For surely goodness and mercy, yeah, it will. It'll follow you all the days of your life. It will. For you and you and you, it will. But they find it hard to apply it to themselves. Whereas David, guided by the Lord, wants us to appropriately personalize this for ourselves. Listen, if you are a child of God, then this surety is for you. Personally. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you. All the days of your life. What can you be sure of? Well, he tells us there, goodness and mercy. Charles Haddon Spurgeon calls these the twin guardian angels of Psalm 23. He paints this wonderful picture of these two guardian angels, goodness, Toeb, and mercy, Hesed, and how they literally follow us. And David paints this picture in effect of these two guardian angels that are obviously parts of the character of God, literally following. His goodness and His mercy coming after us in and through our lives. And David's sure of it. He's absolutely convinced. He's convinced from what he knows about God Himself. For he knows who God is in His majesty and in His splendor and in His grace and His power. He was, after, a, after all, a shepherd boy for most of his life. One thing shepherds see is the sky at night. He would have been aware of the book of Isaiah. He would have been aware of the truths of Scripture. He would have been aware that God is faithful and good and all-knowing and all-powerful. And from what he knows also about his experience of God. See, in verses 1 through 5, what David does is he literally takes us on a tour of the way God has been with him. He's sure that goodness and mercy will follow him all the days of his life because he knows the way God has functioned all of his life prior. And so he tells us in verse 1, 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's where he begins, and where he begins in his confidence in the Lord, because he says, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord. You see the way it's in capital there? It's the name Yahweh, the personal name for God. The name that God disclosed to Moses out of the burning bush, Yahweh, literally, I am who I am. David is talking there about who the Lord really is, the Lord himself. The one who from him and through him and to him are all things. The all-powerful one, the all-wise one, the all-seeing one, the all-knowing one, the Alpha and Omega of all things. For the Lord, this mighty King of kings and Lord of lords, is my shepherd. I love the way he brings these two very different pictures together. The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, is my, his personal affection towards me, is my shepherd. David knows what it is to be a shepherd. He was one. Being a shepherd means 24 hours a day, seven days a week, intimate care and protection and provision and guidance of those sheep. And having reviewed his life, David's, David's conclusion in it all is the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, is my shepherd. That's the way he cares for me. That's the way he provides for me. And so he tells us, I shall not want. You know, when I was young, when I was a kid, and I read that verse, I thought, oh, sweet. So whatever you ask, in the name of Jesus, shall be provided. Well, in the name of Jesus, I want to win the lottery. You know, you'll try all things when you're young. But it doesn't mean I shall not want, as in you will get whatever you ask for. What it literally means is I shall not lack. The Lord is my shepherd, and so he will care for me. He will care for all my true needs. I shall lack nothing. And as Dave reviews his life, he realizes he's never lacked. God has continued to be faithful to him and care for him and protect him all the days of his life. In verse 2, then, he draws attention to how the good shepherd provides rest for him. In verse 2, he says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. You know, on the face of it, it can look like there that the good shepherd is providing food and drink for his sheep. But actually, that point is reserved for verse 5. The point that he's trying to make here is that the good shepherd, God himself, will provide rest for his children. You know, that is hugely important. You know, in Wales, where I've spent 17 years of my life, I'm pretty sure there's more sheep than people. And one of the things you discover about sheep, they are stupid creatures. They can't fend for themselves. They have to be looked after all the time. And they are the most scared animals you will ever come across. They get scared about everything. I mean, literally, everything. They get scared that they might not have any food. They get scared that they might have no water. They get scared of other animals. And what David's saying here is, to be honest, as a human, I'm like that too. I can get afraid of loads of things. It's really hard then to get sheep to rest because they get scared really easily. But what David wants to help us understand is because of the way God has cared for him all his life, he has found rest in him. A peace that surpasses understanding. Because by himself, he feels all over the place. But because of the way God has cared for him, he's been able to find rest in his name. 
This good shepherd has also guided David. Verse 3b, he says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See, once again, he's using this analogy of the good shepherd, Yahweh, who's caring for him, and how David himself recognizes that he is a sheep. Listen, heads up, we are all sheep. Say it out loud, sheep. Humbling moment, wasn't it? Why can't we be a lion for Jesus? I want to be an eagle for Jesus. Negative. Sheep. This is what James Montgomery Boyce says about sheep. Listen up, pay attention. It is not encouraging. Sheep are foolish creatures. In fact, they are probably the most stupid animals in the world. One aspect of their stupidity is seen in the fact that they so easily wander away. They can have a shepherd who can have brought them to the best grazing lands near an abundant supply of water. And yet they will still wander away to where the fields are barren and the water undrinkable. They are creatures of habit. They may be brought to good grazing ground by the shepherd, but having found it, they may keep on grazing until every blade of grass and every root is eaten. The fields are ruined and they themselves are impoverished. No other class of livestock requires more helpful handling than sheep. Therefore... A shepherd who will move them from field to field, yet always keep them near an abundant supply of water, is essential for their welfare. Well, in Psalm 23, like so many other places in God's Word, he reminds us that as a Christian, heads up, you're a sheep. You tend to wander away. You tend to get scared about loads of things. Even when people say, stay here, do this. Yeah. You know, this is what we're all like. We all feel it. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We are prone to wonder. We get distracted easily. And then having been distracted, ah, we get really scared. We are sheep. But David reminds us right here in Psalm 23, just like Jesus himself does in John chapter 10, that we have a good shepherd. A kind shepherd that hems us in both behind and before, who watches over our coming and going, and as David says here, who guides him in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads us, caring for us and guiding us. And in the way he does it, he tells us in verse 4, he protects, the good shepherd protects us. Look at verse 4. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear No evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David was well acquainted with the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes we hear about people like David, and we remember him with a sling in his hand, killing Goliath, and we think, hero. But there were many times in his life where he wasn't a hero, he was a zero. As a shepherd, he would have been afraid consistently about being attacked by wild animals, something that would be common in this part of the world at that time. As a man, he was chased many times. He had to flee for his life on many occasions. And as a king, he fell into sin, even major sin, and had to suffer the consequence in and through his life. David blew it many times. He was afraid many times. He was lost many times. He thought he was going to die many times. 
And yet, as he looks back on all these moments and all these experiences, sometimes caused and ordained by God himself, sometimes self-caused because of his sin, his assessment and conclusion is, you know what? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And your rod and staff is with me. They comfort me. His assessment is God has protected him throughout. As he's looking back on his life, he's probably looking back through all sorts of things, some good and bad. But as he's sitting there, he's aware, well, I'm still here. Look around, folks. We're still here. Through many dangers, snares, and trials that we have already come. Still here. Because God protects. He holds us. And he keeps us. And in verse 5, David Aldrich draws attention to the fact that the good shepherd, he also blesses us. It says in verse 5, You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. To David, God wasn't just a carer or provider or protector or guide. He wasn't somebody that was just like a genie in the lamp that we need to run to when we're doing it tough. No, as he reviews his life, he's aware, you've blessed me again and again and again. You've shown your mercy to me again and again and again. You've been kind to me again and again and again. I've been lavished with your blessing in my life. And so his conclusion then, In verse 6, having recounted his life, having seen how God himself has operated towards him as the good shepherd of his life, he concludes, so surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Having considered his past, his conclusion as he walks forward is surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. My friends, as 2023 begins to come to an end, and 2024 begins to appear round the corner, what are you anticipating? What do you think is going to happen next year? What do you see? Because I believe God himself wants to look you in the eye this morning and remind you, here's something that you can anticipate. Here's something that you should be seeing. His goodness and mercy. In the same way God was gracious and protective and caring towards David, so he will be you. He wants us to be sure this morning of his goodness and mercy in our lives. Have you not seen that goodness and mercy prior to this moment? You will see it again. Because he is faithful and he is kind. For surely goodness and mercy will follow me. You know, that word follow, you have to understand exactly what it means. Because what it does not mean is lag behind in the way children do when you give them an instruction. For all the parents in the room, you know exactly what I mean. When you say, son, can you come here please? I have some lollies for you. You'll be amazed how quickly their legs work. But when you say, son, can you come and tidy your room? They have hearing problems and they lag. Like, okay, we got to go. We got to go out. 
And sometimes we can read that text and think, you know, maybe that's the way God is with me. I know he's following me, but are you there? It doesn't mean lag behind. Literally, in the Hebrew, what that word means is to actively pursue or to chase down. That's what it means. It is active. It is in your face. It is stuck to you like glue. And it is coming fast on your tail. I remember the first time I went to the United States. It was the year 1999. Never been to America before. And my friend and I, we picked up a car. His name's Pete Greasy. And we picked up a car, and we were actually going to a conference in the States. And he hadn't really been to America much before, and I hadn't been at all. So we picked up a car, first time driving on the wrong side of the road. Terrible. But we're driving along, and as we're driving along, we're going around this corner, and there's this police officer in a car, and he's standing outside the car, and he just does this. It was really weird. So we did what every British person would do. We waved back. <laughs> hi, hi. thought maybe it's a greeting. Something must know that where we're from. We must be tourists. So we waved back. And so we're driving along. We're still carrying on chatting, at which point we noticed this same police car is right by the back of our car with lights on. Now, anybody with a brain would realize maybe he's coming for you. Sadly, we were not numbered among them. So he's getting right behind us, and we think, that's weird. Why is he not passing by? So we pull into the other lane to let him pass. He pulls into the other lane with us. We thought that very strange, so we pulled back. (laughs) And he pulled with us. Again, anybody at this point realizes he's coming for us. We tried it again. We come out to this other side. We eventually realize he's definitely looking for us. So we pull into the lay-by, sort of really sad looking, explain we're tourists. We actually got off because we were tourists and we were totally in the wrong lane and it was all going terribly wrong. But nonetheless, here's my point. Every move we made, he was right with us. Wherever we went. And he is like feeling like inches from our bumper. That is the way David's talking about the way the good shepherd is here. He is chasing you down. He is actively pursuing you. He's not falling behind. He's not forgotten about you. No, he's right there in your face. Because his goodness and mercy isn't just lagging behind or lingering somewhere at the back. No, it's chasing you down. Does that mean you feel it every five seconds? Nope. But don't rely upon your feelings. Rely on truth. And the truth of God's word is he is chasing you down. He is active, he is behind you, for surely his goodness and mercy will chase you down. And if you are going through a trial right now, he is right there on your bumper, chasing you down. He's not left you. He's right there, guiding you, caring for you, protecting you, ever-present ever present in your time of trouble. And David then tells us, how long is he going to do this for? How long is this goodness and mercy going to chase me down for? Well, good news. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What a happy discovery. Not just Sundays, Not just gospel community days, not just spiritual days on the calendar. But all days and every day for the rest of your life. Brothers and sisters, I don't know then 
what you're anticipating in 2024. And as the close of 2023 begins to happen, and as you peer around the corner of 2024, I'm sure like me, you'll understand there's not much we can be sure of. Health, work, plans, finances, relationships. There's not surety actually in any of those things. But what you can be sure of is this. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Live in that. Enjoy that. It is the truth of God's word to you. So Merry Christmas. I was never intending to speak today. I'm actually on holidays. But how kind of the Lord to remind us from Psalm 23. How kind of the Lord, even in giving this message, for him to chase us down today. You should have never been hearing this message. But in his profound sovereignty, he's chasing you down. To tell you, surely, goodness and mercy will follow you every day of your life. Let's pray. Well, Lord, what a kind shepherd you are. And you do chase us down. And you chase us down in the most unexpected of ways. Lord, we go through our lives often hoping and expecting that it will be comfortable, ideally, all the time. And yet, as sure as sparks fly upwards, troubles fall. Well, Lord, I thank you when that occurs, you have not gone anywhere. Your shepherding over our lives hasn't changed even an inch. Because the same King of kings and Lord of lords that died in our place at Calvary so that we may have life and that in abundance is the same King of kings and Lord of lords that now chases us down every day of our lives. So Lord, we live live in the good of that. But that truth amazes every day of our lives. And would we stand secure knowing that you are kind and you are good and you are faithful. In Jesus' name.